your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome to the show, everybody. Okay, we've got an interesting one here, and it's uh, about the difference between uh, bipolar and borderline personality disorder. And the reason I wanted to go into this is because a lot of people out there are misdiagnosed or not even diagnosed at all, and people have very crazy lives or crazy partners, crazy friends, and they don't know why they're so crazy, and they don't know why their lives are so chaotic, and it's usually because... The, the element, the psychological element hasn't been identified that you may be working with somebody who is bipolar or a borderline personality. So by differentiating it, we're also going to go into how to understand either one. And they're both very different, but very similar. And the other thing is, is we're going to figure out how to deal with it, which is the better part. And that'll be towards the middle to the last part of the show. So what is a, bore, a bipolar? You know, bipolar it used to be called a manic depressive illness. It's a brain and behavior disorder, and it's basically characterized by severe shifts in a person's mood or energy, and it makes it difficult for the person to function. And there's two versions of bipolar. There's the one that is functional where they can actually have a job, have a family, have a life, um, and it's it's fairly mild. And then there's the very severe version where that person is just – batshit crazy and it's just really hard for them to have any kind of relationships in life that are steady because they have such crazy mood swings uh medication is one of the things that is severely important uh, in that person's life. If they're not taking their medication, if they're not diagnosed, we're in big trouble. More than 5.7 million Americans just in the United States and we, we have an international audience here, adults, or 2.6% of the United States population age 18 and older in any given year, have bipolar disorder. This condition it typically starts it typically starts late in adolescence or early childhood, although it can show up in, in kids and uh, older adults. You know, people often live with the disorder with have, without having it diagnosed or treated, like I said earlier. You know, bipolar causes uh, repeated mood swings or episodes that can make someone feel very, very high, like total mania, like just go crazy doing crazy stuff, or very low where they can't even get out of bed and they're just not able to function. And it's all, these, these are, are called cyclic episodes where they go up and down and up and down. And usually these uh, manic episodes can last days, a few days, a week, a month. They can last, but they die out. And, and then they go in reverse. So sometimes they rapid cycle where they go up and down really quickly. And there's a few days that they go that way. Or sometimes they cycle for a very long time. And uh, so here's some of the signs and the symptoms so we can differentiate this bipolar. It's increased energy, activity, and restlessness, um, restlessness uh, euphoric mood, extreme irritability, uh, poor concentration, Racing thoughts, talking fast, jumping between ideas, sleeplessness, a heightened sense of self-importance is often seen in these folks, and then they go in reverse, uh, spending sprees, increased sexual behavior, 
abuse of drugs such as cocaine, alcohol, uh, sleeping medications. Uh, they're provocative. They're intrusive. They're, ing- they're aggressive oftentimes, especially when they're in that high manic episodes. And they also uh, go in denial that anything is wrong because they think it's just perfectly normal. Now, the depressive signs, that's when they go down. They cycle down. They, they're sad. They're anxious. They're feeling empty. Uh, they, they feel hopeless or pessimism. They have feelings of guilt, worthlessness, and helplessness. And they have a loss of interest or, or pleasure in activities that they once enjoyed, including sex, by the way. Uh, they have decreased energy, fatigue, difficult concentrating, remembering, or making decisions at all. They have a restlessness. They have irritability. They have a, a sleeplessness or uh, sleeping too much. They also have changes in appetite. Unintended uh, weight loss or weight gain is often seen in these folks. They, they go up and down like a yo-yo. And, and uh, bodily symptoms are not caused by physical illness or injury, but they have lots of bodily symptoms, uh, meaning that they're, they're sick all the time or they have something wrong with them. And they also often have thoughts of death or suicide. Now, um, how do you diagnose this bipolar? Well, they... They can't really diagnose it physiologically by, by blood tests or brain scans. So it's basically based on the recognition of these symptoms. And not all bipolars have all of those symptoms. They often have maybe three, four, five of those symptoms. And uh, they also have uh, uh, courses of illness. And they also can look at their family history because usually a bipolar will breed bipolars. And so there's oftentimes many bipolars out there that it's been in their family for years. And uh, people recognize that and they see people in their family that have had these symptoms and then they know how to read the person that they have. Now, here's a couple movies that you could look at, uh, Prozac Nation and Of Two Minds, that could help you understand the bipolar from a sense of looking at it, of watching it. And that, once again, that's Prozac Nation or Of Two Minds. Now, bipolar one is mainly defined by manic mixed episodes that last uh, at least seven days or by manic symptoms, manic meaning up or way down, that are so severe that the person needs immediate hospital care. Uh, usually, this person has uh, depressive episodes lasting at least two weeks, and also symptoms of mania or depression um, must be a major change from their normal behavior. Now, this bipolar 2 is defined by a pattern of depressive episodes shifting back and forth with very uh, less manic episodes are called hypomanic. They're not as severe, but they're very irritable people to live with because you never know what you're going to get from one minute to the next. But no full-blown manic or mixed episodes, meaning they're not going off to Vegas and spending all the mortgage of the house or whatever. You know, they're, they're basically uh, just not easy to be around. And um, so we have to look at some people may be diagnosed with uh, rapid cycling in bipolar, meaning they go really fast through the cycle of mania. And this is when a person has four or more episodes of major depression, mania, hypomania, mixed symptoms within a year. And so the bipolar is treated. There's no real cure, but it's treatable and manageable with psychotherapy and medications. I know people that are full-blown uh, bipolar that I've seen that – are leading very normal lives and are very stable. And yes, they're hard to live with at times, but they use their medication and they do use therapy and they're very aware of the disorder and they're very aware when they're getting into the, the zone where the disorder is taking them over and they manage it. 
And, uh, you know, what's the difference, if you, if you think about it, between a clinical depression and the presence is the presence of manic episodes in a bipolar, the up and down, the up and down. Usually depressed people just go straight down. And children, depression is irritability. So uh, this is why, you know, depression by itself is uh, it, not enough to diagnose a, a bipolar with. If a bipolar is destructive manically, then that person uh, is a bipolar and not uh, manic depressed or major depressed disorder. Pardon me for stumbling all over. I think I drank too much coffee today. Borderline personality. Now, what is this? It's a serious mental illness marked by unstable moods, behavior, and relationships. Well, that sounds very familiar to what we talked about. But uh, some people with severe uh, borderline personality have brief psychotic episodes Experts originally thought of this illness as atypical, um, but here's the basic understanding of what a borderline comes from. The difference is with a bipolar, it runs in the family oftentimes. It's in the genetic makeup. In a borderline, this usually comes from abuse or neglect in childhood, and it is the way the person has learned to cope with life, and it's become who they are because they've had to do it for so long in their childhood that it's now ingrained in their adult character. And so that is the biggest difference in understanding bipolar versus borderline. They have uh, problems, a borderline has problems with uh, regulating their emotions and thoughts. They have very impulsive, reckless behavior. They have very unstable relationships with anyone. Uh, people with this disorder, disorder also have high rates of uh, co-occurring disorders such as bipolar, uh, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, eating disorders, uh, along with oftentimes, especially in their teenage years, they do uh, self-harm, they have suicidal behaviors, or they've uh, completed suicides. I mean, there's a lot of people that have this particular disorder that have actually committed suicide due to the causes and the symptoms of the disorder. You know, research of the possible causes and risk factors of bipolar, uh, borderline is still very, very early in stages, but it's mostly uh, environmental factors that are involved. You know, the, the study suggests that illness is, a, a strong, is, is inherited, but it's inherited by the way a person is raised, more from the habits than from the genetics. Not to say that there isn't genetic factors there, because there are genetic factors there, especially if they have a dual diagnosis of bipolar, depression, anxiety, any of those things. So they, these folks have very uh, extreme reactions, panic, depression, rage, uh, fr uh, frantic actions. To, to, and they're usually doing this when there's uh, abandonment is in play or, it's, or if they're perceiving abandonment is in play. They also have a pattern of very intense stormy relationships with family with friends, with their, their partners, their loved ones, often veering from extreme closeness to love and idealization of the person. And they have an extreme dislike or anger, a devaluation uh, of other people oftentimes. And um, they have a very distorted and unstable self-image and a sense of self, which results in, a, in sudden changes in feelings and opinions. They flip-flop all the time. That's oftentimes why it's called borderline is because they go from one extreme to the another. What they usually do 
is a person will they will align with you and agree with you on on something, and then the next moment they'll flip to the other side and play that against you as and they're not no longer aligned. They're now on the opposite side fighting you. They love to have that uh, that back and forth on just about everything. They love to to also create chaos in everyone else's life and the way they the reason they do that is it takes the attention off of them so they're really good at deflecting or changing the topic to something more dramatic and about you oftentimes people that are with this kind of person think it is them that is causing instead of the borderline they always think it's their fault because they're always getting blamed they, these these borderline folks they just don't take responsibility for anything they flip and they flop and they flip and they flop and and this is not good and evil, uh, folks. This is just a disorder, a, a coping skill that is created in childhood that they're very unaware of. And so what they do is they basically the partner is always thinking they're the worst person in the universe because uh, this other person, the bar, the borderline, is always making them out to be that. And that's how they distract attention from themselves. They never want to take any accountability for themselves. They have intense, highly changeable moods with each episode lasting from a few hours to a few days. And the difference in the borderline, and I'll go into it a little bit later, is these folks do this all the time. This is how their life is lived. There is no up and down pockets uh, as far as it going away and normalizing to a normal person and then going back into these manic phases. There is no pause. There is no in-between. It's just the way they operate, period. Um, they uh, also have chronic feelings of emptiness or boredom. Uh, they have inappropriate intense anger or problems controlling their anger. They have stress-related paranoid thoughts or severe dissociative symptoms such as feeling cut off uh, from themselves or observing themselves outside their body, losing touch with reality. And also seemingly uh, mundane events may trigger symptoms. For example, uh, people with borderline may feel angry and distressed over minor situations such as a vacation, a business trip, or sudden changes of plans with people to whom they feel very close. And so uh, studies on how the people with this disorder may see anger and emotionally neutral face, they have a stronger reaction to words with negative meanings than people who do not have the disorder. Okay, now suicide and self-harm is also a part of this, and they have attempts sometimes. Some don't. Some never do. Uh, they do have self-harming behaviors. As many 80% of them have usually have some sense of suicidal behaviors. Uh, about 4 to 9% actually commit suicide of the borderlines. It's uh, one of the most tragic outcomes of any mental illness. Some treatments can help reduce suicidal behaviors in borderlines, but... Uh, it's very hard to keep them off of it because, once again, this, their way of coping with life creates a lot of bad things. Now, here's some movies that would be very good to watch to help you understand this particular disorder. Uh, there's a movie, a great movie called uh, Buffalo 66. Uh, another movie that you may be aware of is Goodwill Hunting, Misery, uh, Girl Interrupted. Play Misty for me or Welcome to Me. These are some movies that would help you understand the borderline personality. You know, um, unfortunately, uh, borderline personality is oftentimes underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed, and it's oftentimes uh, misdiagnosed for bipolar. They medicate, the medication doesn't work, 
and uh, they basically go back to being who they are. They also don't like to take any uh, medication because they don't feel anything's wrong with them. They think everything's wrong with everybody else. So it doesn't make sense to a borderline that uh, they are the ones that's causing the problem. That's why it's also extremely hard to tr- to treat. These people are very very destructive too. They love to hurt other people's lives. They don't love it. They they just do it. They they uh, they demonize people and then they go to great extremes to hurt them. Um, you know. Psychotherapy to help these folks. First of all, you have to have a willing participant. But you know, cognitive therapy, uh, behavioral therapy, meaning your thoughts and your actions, is a very good way to go. Um, There are also uh, other therapies like schema focused therapy, and uh, basically, this is kind of a cognitive therapy. It's it's a reframing thoughts, basically changing thoughts to a different thought. Uh, medications, none of have been approved for a borderline personality out there. But, you know, bo- uh, most of the time, if they do uh, take medication, it's a mood stabilizer and an antidepressant. And uh, so, you know, Depakote-like is a mood stabilizer. That's a really good mood stabilizer. And it does help them. But once again, they got to want to be aware of it. Omega-3 fatty acids is something that uh, people can take, and it does bring them down a bit. So, um if you think somebody with a borderline personality affects you, uh, you need to do some things to help yourself because they're not going to be your bi- your biggest fan. And so, uh, you know, you want to talk to a doctor about, you know, how to deal with this. And I, I mean a therapist or a psychologist so that you learn how to deal with this. I'm going to give you some tools today. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. encouraged and connected on our lively award-winning healthy living power hour star style be the star you are with hosts cynthia bryan and heather Brittany. live every wednesday at 4 p.m pacific on the voice america empowerment channel tune in to the power party for positive uplifting life-changing talk radio visit starstyleradio.com It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You 
are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about the difference between uh, bipolar and borderline personality disorder. You know, they're, they're both often confused, even uh, in, psych- in the psychological world and in the psychiatric world. Uh, they're very much confused. And uh, it's hard to differentiate, especially if you don't do a really good assessment of the person to understand what you're working with. You know, here are some things uh, you should look out for if, if you or someone you care about is experiencing these uh, muddled symptoms. Now, I'm going to break out a comparison here. You know, borderline personality disorder, people who suffer from this disorder have severe difficulties in regulating their emotion. And this often leads to mood swings, impulsiveness, unstable personal relationships. You know, in one minute they love you, the next minute they hate you. Um, and this happens quickly. In addition to destructive mood swings, these people typically have a very low sense of self-esteem and self-worth, which is basically manifested in suicidal uh, tendencies or speaking of suicide or like doing a cutting. A lot of these are uh, folks are initially in their teens or cutters where they do the cutting and the harming of themselves, and they do that uh, basically to create pain externally so they don't have to deal with the pain internally. They also have a very severe fear of abandonment of family or friends. Uh, they have very impulsive behaviors such as rec- reckless spending, fighting, driving, intense moods uh, cr- uh, comprised of anger, depression. There's a whole lot of uh, uh, behavior, irritability that, that can last for days. And the cause, once again, is unknown. But it's likely, the likely factors, the most likely factor, once again, is it could be uh, it could be in the genetics to some degree, especially more like a family culture, the way a family has been over many generations, and also uh, the environment. The environment is absolutely, without a doubt, if they grew up in adult, uh, grew up in childhood abuse or neglect, severe abuse or neglect, oftentimes you're going to find that in a borderline uh, personality. Now, about 1.6% of Americans have borderline, that at least that's identified people with borderline, but I would say it's probably as high as 6% in our population. Uh, there, there's been many, many, many undocumented cases, and it's just really hard to nail this one down. And the people that have it don't want anybody to know they have it, um, and they don't even admit they have it. Uh, bipolar disorder shares many of the same symptoms. They have the, the reckless behavior, the mood swings, the impulsiveness. However, once again, the major defining factor of bipolar involves extreme highs and lows in mood, and there's pockets where they're normal. So the former uh, uh, euphoria, which involves feelings of excitement, extreme high energy, grandiosity, and then the low points are almost the opposite, and they're characterized days of deep depression and fatigue and inability to focus or be productive. And they'll go from being delusional about basically having powers to feeling completely hopeless and empty. 
And, uh, you know, many experts have noted that the main differentiating factors between these two disorders is the uh, symptoms of the personality disorder are pretty consistent and ongoing while people with bipolar appear to have breaks in their extreme mood swings, uh, you know, or they may have a a mid-range mood where most of the symptoms are confusing between the two disorders, but the bipolar is usually the mid-range mood where they're they're not quite totally manic, but they're just crazy-making all the time. Also, uh, turning to personal relationships, that can help uh, clarify the difference between these two disorders because the way they operate in a relationship is how uh, also you can determine whether it's bipolar or borderline personality, uh, because there, you know, there's some or- overlap here. Where bipolar, in the sense that uh, interpersonal stresses may activate a shift in mood, bipolar individuals will also tell you there are times when the onset of their symptoms, whether elevated or depressed, will seem to come out of nowhere. So there's no obvious trigger or uh, precipitant for their mood destabilization. The only reliable explanation is that there's been an endogenous uh, shift in their brain activity and their neurochemistry. And so uh, it's very important to take a look. Now, borderlines and bipolar frequently co-occur. And so that means that they, the borderline actually has manic phases also where they go up and way down, but they also in between are crazy making too. And that means they're just both. And uh, it could be, you know, you can describe borderline personality uh, as an effective mood disturbance, impulsivity, cognitive problems, intense, unstable relationships. But what's most important is to establish the patterns of effective instability, impulsivity, and stable relationships have been consistent across the board. You know, obtaining a detailed history is absolutely crucial. So uh, disassociation often is a part of uh, borderline personality. That means that they they push themselves away a bit from uh, things to, that they have to be responsible for. Also, uh, paranoia, uh, cognitive problems, they're, they're often affected by uh, uh, the person's environment, particularly in their relationships. And they also have a history of rapid and sudden deterioration when relationships change, such as uh, threatening suicide after a breakup, severe mood swings, when separated from their family. Generally, the more intense and insignificant the relationship is, the greater the risk of chronic stress and mood dysregulation. So many of these same features are seen in patients with bipolar, um, but as a result, borderline patients with the symptoms are often uh, misdiagnosed or called a a borderline, uh, excuse me, borderlines are often called bipolars. And so, uh, sadly, they, they, they just don't get to be put on the radar. And if a person understands what they have, they have a better chance of getting it treated. You know, uh, a, a pattern of self-harm and suicidality often serves as a cue for diagnosing uh, bipolar. But uh, a borderline, excuse me, and I'm, now I'm getting them all mixed up. What a crazy thing. But both can be seen in a bipolar and a borderline disorder. But in a, a borderline, suicidal threats and attempts may occur along with anger at perceived abandonment and disappointment. So these patients, um, they, they want to relieve pain. They want to stop their thinking. And uh, they think ending their lives is a way to uh, get out of the pain. But I'm sorry, you know, suicide is, is not a way out, and this can be treated. It just you have to look it in the eye. Now, how does a bipolar person operate in a relationship? So here's a few tips on handle handling a bipolar person. And uh, 
basically the first thing you need to do is don't try to argue a depressed person into happiness. You know, depression is a really powerful and, and that demands its rightful respect. You know, it, it, it may slip away in its own good time, but while it's present, you have no choice but to honor it. Telling a depressed person they're not depressed or that they have no right to be is simply illogical and rude. Uh, by far, the kinder thing to do is to ask the depressed person, where does it hurt? And then listen and really listen as hard as it may be to not to interrupt. Uh, this is where your trust and the frailness uh, begins to take root. And also, if you're with a bipolar person, you want to educate yourself about the disorder. It, you know, if you're dating a, a person uh, from Spain, let's say, you'd want to know a few words of Spanish. So, you know, this person speaks a different language than you. If they're bipolar, they live in a whole different world than you do, and they have a different way of looking at life and coping with life than you do. The same reasoning applies uh, as uh, dating somebody of a different language. Bipolar disorder is a strange, very exotic, it's very lonely, it's very frightening to feel like you're traveling solo with it, it also can be very lonely in a relationship with a person like this when they go into their manic phase. And then there's fear, the fear of what are they going to do and how are they going to destroy our lives, especially if you're tied to them financially. But the respect and love you exhibit by learning about the disorder, you know, like the difference between mania and hypomania pays off in big spades. You know, all the people... Uh, out there who deal with this particular disorder deal with it well because they know when it's coming and they know when it's going and they know when it's when it's happening or about to happen because they see the signs in their partner and then they manage better. They also, uh, what you want to do with a bipolar person is appreciate the great variety of uh, life this this disorder gives you. I mean, bipolar people are used to spending their lives in secrecy, and they never disclose the amazing gifts that they have been granted along with the depression, you know, and the recklessness and the intense mood swings. You know, if you can establish a rapport necessary for a bipolar person to open up and show you what's happening inside them, I, I think you'd find that there can be extremely exciting and extremely intelligent people, you know, and uh, that creativity runs rampant through this disorder because they are always breaking the norm. They're always doing something, you know, uh, they're just, the way they see the world is fascinating. If, if you want to go into it and really take a liking to understanding it, don't become it, but try to understand it. Okay, and you never want to give up on hope on a bipolar. You know, it's scary when symptoms manifest, and it's frustrating for everybody when they don't go away. But the weird blessing of a bipolar is that, that it's constant change. Eventually, a mood will shift, or one of the many medications will start to metabolize and no longer be effective. And this is something that you have to regulate all the time. You're always going to be on the ball with a bipolar person. So someone else has to be the custodian of hope when you're bipolar. That means your partner uh, especially needs to be very much in check with your symptoms. So, uh, you know, what does it take to love a bipolar person? Well, a little specialized care and feeding, basically, uh, it could be challenging uh, to uh, breed, <laughs> but if you're uh, after easy, superficial emotions, look elsewhere because the bipolar feelings run deep and true even if the course is not always 
smooth. Now, a borderline personality in a relationship, they care about caring about somebody with a uh, borderline personality is a roller coaster from being loved to hated to abandoned and then bashed. And and having bipolar or borderline personality is no picnic. You live in an unbearable psychiatric pain most of the time and severe cases on the border between reality and psychosis. So the illness distorts perceptions, causing very antagonistic behavior, meaning they're always trying to bait someone else, and they make the world a very perilous place. The pain and the terror of abandonment and feeling of being unwanted can be so great that suicide feels like a better choice for these people. So if you know if you like dra- drama, excitement, intensity, enjoy the ride because things will never be calm in this person's life and it can wear you down. Following a, a passionate beginning is usually how it stops and then expect stormy. So you have a great honeymoon phase and then all of a sudden you get into a storm and it includes uh, usually accusations, anger, jealousy, bullying, control, breakups and then comeback and insecurity with the person that they're with. And, and nothing is gray in this person's world. Everything is black or white. That's how it is. They have a very uh, Jekyll Hyde personality. They fluctuate dramatically between idealizing a person and devalu- devaluing a person. So they'll put you on a pedestal and then they'll rip you straight down and, and suddenly and sporadically shift around throughout the entire day on both sides. And so it's it's a crazy one. You never know what or whom to expect with this kind of person. They're intense. Their liable emotions elevate you when you're in uh, good spirits. They crush you when they're not. Uh, you're a prince or a jerk or a princess or a witch in their eyes. And if you're if you're on um, if you're on the outs with them, all of their bad feelings get projected on you. And they can be vindictive and punish you with words, silence, or other uh, manipulations, which is very destructive to your self-esteem. You know, unlike a bipolar, their moods shift quickly and aren't a departure from the normal self. What you see is their norm. It's how they exist. Their emotions, their behavior, their unstable relationships, including their work history, and you can usually see it in their work history, and it's usually the employer was a horrible, horrible, horrible employer, and that's why they left. And every time they left, it was a horrible, horrible, horrible situation, but they never take any accountability for their part. They also reflect a a fragile image, a shame-based image. They see themselves as a victim. And it's often marked by sudden shifts of uh, sometimes uh, to the extent that they feel non-existent. It is uh, made worse when they feel alone. Then they become desperate. Thus, they're uh, dependent on other people, but they don't always like being dependent on other people. And so they resent the person they're dependent on. And for them, trust is always an issue, often leading to distortions of reality and paranoia. You know, you're seen as either for or against them, and you have to take their side. And once you do, they flip to the other side. You know, so don't dare to defend their enemy or try to justify or explain any slight uh, that they claim to have experienced. They may try to bait you into anger. They may falsely accuse you of rejecting them, make you doubt reality or your sanity, or even brainwash you as an emotional manipulation. So it's not unusual for them to cut off friends and relatives who they feel have betrayed them. Uh, they react to their profound fears of abandonment with needy, clinging behavior or anger, fury, that they they're, they're, uh, reflect their own skewed reality and self-image. And on their hand, they 
uh, they equally fear the romantic merger that they try to create because they're afraid of being dominated or swallowed up by too much intensity. So in a close relationship, they must walk a tightrope and a balance uh, of fear and being alone and fear of being too close. And so to do so, they try to control with commands or, or manipulation using flattery and then seduction. You know, you know, whereas narcissists enjoy being understood, too much understanding frightens the borderline and they run for the border. You know, generally they are very codependent or they find somebody that's codependent on them to merge with and help them. They seek someone to provide uh, stability and balance in their changeable emotions. And a codependent or a narcissist who acts self-sufficient and controls their feelings can provide a perfect match. Uh, you know, if somebody is self-sufficient, they love that. And so, uh, you know, the borderline's partner uh, vicariously comes alive through the melodrama provided by uh, the borderline personality. Now, the person with the borderline personality, they, they may appear to be the underdog in the relationship while uh, their partner is the steady, needless, caretaking top dog. And in fact, both are codependent. And it's hard for either of them to leave. Uh, they each exercise control in two different ways. So the person with bipolar, uh, borderline personality may appear to be the underdog. Um, and, and once again, the partner is steady. And the non-borderline may do it through caretaking. You know, a codependent who also yearns for love and fears abandonment can become the perfect caretaker for someone with a borderline personality. You know, a codependent is easily seduced, carried away by romance, and the person with a borderline personality has extreme openness and, and vulnerability, passion, intense emotions are, are enlivening to that person uh, without the disorder, and they uh, who, they find uh, being alone, depressed, and experiences healthy people uh, basically as boring, the borderline does. Now, codependents already have low self-esteem and poor boundaries, so they placate and accommodate and apologize when tacked uh, in order to maintain the emotional integrity of the relationship. So when the borderline attacks them, they basically steady things out and accommodate. And in the process, they give over more and more control to the borderline, and they further seal their low self-esteem in their coupleship. Now, borderlines need boundaries. Setting a boundary can sometimes snap them out of their delusional thinking. Calling their bluff is also very helpful. Both, both strategies require that you build their self-esteem, learn to be assertive, um, derive outside emotional support. You know, this is something that these folks do. All right, we're going to take another quick break. We're going to talk about bipolar and relationships or borderline and relationships and bipolar and family and borderline and family. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. The Compassionate Life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. 
Host Dr. Brittany King is also one of these humanitarians. Each week she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, we're talking about the difference between uh, living with a borderline personality disorder or a bipolar person and how to differentiate the both. Or actually, they can often be dual diagnosis, meaning they're both a part of a person. And so, uh, you know, unlike narcissists who often avoid therapy, borderlines usually welcome it. You know, however, before, you know, recent treatment uh, innovations, its effectiveness has always been questioned because once you get too close to a borderline, they usually abandon therapy. And so it, it's interesting. They, they, they go initially trying to get their head around it. And then when you face them with how they're coping with life and you face them with what they have to be responsible for to change, they just they can't do it. They, it's, it's too hard for them. Uh, because it's the way of life. It's like stripping their cur- their character out of them. Um, you know, some medications, like I said, like a mood stabilizer can work and make their life a little bit better. But basically, borderlines, if you're living with one, they need structure and a combination of knowing that they're cared about plus boundaries that are communicated calmly and firmly. That means you don't use a lot of tone. You just stay flat, stay straight. And for partners, it's also important to seek therapy in order to raise your self-esteem and learn to be assertive and set boundaries. It's very, very important to understand how to work with a borderline. Okay, now, uh, bipolars and family. Let's go back to the bipolar. Living with a person with bipolar involves learning how to deal with the disruptions that these symptoms create and supporting the person through the recovery and finding ways to cope with the effects on the family. Because the bipolar can place a very heavy strain on families depending on the nature of their illness and how well it's managed. The family can be affected in a whole lot of variety of ways. I mean, the bipolar may just not pick you up from school. They may go on a shopping spree and spend uh, thousands of dollars and put the family in debt. They may go gamble away uh, the life savings. I mean, they, they just do all kinds of hurtful things uh, to uh, self-harm and basically destroy uh, continuity in a family. So caring some, someone for bipolar can place very heavy burdens on the family, particularly if they're not equipped with knowledge or skills to cope with this thing. And it can be exhausting, especially for families with young children. So, uh, you know, when bipolar is not properly controlled, uh, the family may experience emotional distress such as guilt, grief, worry, uh, disruption, in regular routines, having to deal with bizarre, reckless behavior, uh, financial stresses that are a result of a reduced income or spending sprees, uh, strained marital or family relationship, changes in family roles, 
uh, difficulties in maintaining relationships outside the family, you know, health problems as a result of stress. And, and what you can do is educate yourself once again about the illness, but also support your family members to manage this family member with bipolar to manage their illness and believe in them, especially when they're maybe not believe in themselves and continue to remind them and love them or who they are when they're normal. You know, family members experience various emotions as they learn to come to terms with having someone who's bipolar. There, there's no right or wrong ways to feel. What's important is how you handle your emotions. At first, families may feel guilty, um, thinking that someone caused the person to become ill. You know, young children are particularly vulnerable to thinking that they caused the parent to become ill. So every member of the family needs to understand that no one can cause a person to develop bipolar. It is a illness and it's a illness that unlike a person in a wheelchair you can't see it it's intangible so as with all the serious illnesses families will likely feel sorrow grief and that's natural and we care about our family members and we want them to stay healthy and happy so families sometimes feel they have lost the person they knew when they're in this manic state however you know mental illness it is such as bipolar does not mean that a person cannot live successfully happy life. What it means is that the individual and their family now have a challenge and they have to face it with proper treatment, which is therapy, which is medication, and then there's hope. You know, uh, families also worry about their loved one and a manic episode can cause a person to behave in a reckless manner or, or make unwise decisions. So one way to help alleviate the worry is to, to develop a plan that once you recognize the symptoms, this is what will happen so that you can protect your finances, so you can protect your home, you can protect who they focus on. You can, you know, you can, whatever ways they go in their manic behavior, you want to protect yourself from that when they're in that manic state. You know, uh, children may fear that they will inherit this. Well, you know, it's possible. Older children may fear that they may have uh, to manage the care of their ill sibling as well as manage their own lives when their parents can no longer do the job. And in this event, families need to learn to manage anxiety and and to lead as fulfilling a lives as possible. Also, disruptions in routine may arise as a result of either manic or depressive episodes. You know, normal activities and chores may have to be set aside. And left to uh, someone else to attend or, or maybe attended at a later date when until the episode uh, re subsides. So reestablishing a routine as soon as possible is important for staying well and reducing stress on all of the family when you've got a, a person in bipolar that's in a manic state. You know, family rules can also be affected by the disorder. Children may be forced to take an adult role when their parent becomes ill. Spouses may feel they no longer rely on their partner to feel or share the household or the family responsibilities, but you have to remember it's a continuum and that they will come back to normal. You just have to wade your way through it. So, uh, you know, they may find their social network starts to shrink in size because they got this weird person at their home. And so friends and extended family may feel awkward about what to say or how to help the family when, you know, not everyone in the family uh, social network will be supportive. So it's important to seek out those who are as they are valuable sources of support and going to even a support group that everyone in the family can attend is very can be very supportive because you can share coping skills with other family members that are going through it. So you just have to remember it's a mental disorder, it rapid cycles or it cycles, it's cyclic, which means it comes back to normal. So that's bipolar in family. Now borderline in family is a little different. You have to be able to know how to keep, uh, keep things cool and calm 
and uh, appreciation is normal. So you want to tone it down. Disagreement is normal in this relationship. You just want to tone it down. So, you know, it's gui- the guideline here, if you're in a family or, or you're a partner, is borderline. You want to keep things cool and calm and appreciate and, and, and in disagreements, try not to be too disrespectful. You know, the guideline is, uh, is the central message. You know, the, the person with borderline personality is handicapped in their ability to tolerate stress in relationships. They have severe fear of rejection, criticism, disagreements, and therefore benefit from cool, calm home environments. So it's vital to keep in mind to, to what to the extent which people with borderline struggle emotionally each day is based on how much chaos there is in their environment. Because if they perceive stress, then they become stressed and this is how they cope. Um, you know, a person with borderline has feelings that dramatically fluctuate in the course of each day and they're uh, particularly intense. And once again, stress is the biggest trigger. So whenever there's stress in the day, there's stress in the borderline. So these emotions or effects often hit hard. And remember, they're paranoid too. And so uh, when they're paranoid, they become delusional and they have lots of thoughts and ideas. So what may be here to be normal, a normal day uh, in their mind is, is a three-ring circus. So a person with a borderline typically feels desperate at the prospect of any separation. So family members... Uh, therapists taking a, a vacation, breakup of a romance, a departure of a friend. Most of us would probably miss the absent family member, therapist, friend. But the person with borderline typically feels intense panic. They're unable to conjure up images of the absent person to soothe themselves. And they can't tell themselves that person really cares about me and will be back again to help me. You know, if, if they're out of sight, they're not out of mind. They're freaking out because they want to get back to that person. Also, once again, they're very black and white in their thinking. So along with the extremes of uh, emotion come the extremes in thinking. So somebody in the family has to think in the gray while they think in the black and white. So you, as a partner, have to keep things in the gray, meaning that nobody is fully evil, nobody is fully good. Uh, there's always uh, good intentions and there's always bad intentions. So when you're looking at dealing with the borderline, you have to be very good at forgiveness. And the big thing that you have to do is also try to hold them accountable for the things they're accounted for, uh, accountable for by showing forgiveness and also showing a sense of uh, talking about their intentions because oftentimes they have good intentions and are doing things badly. And so, you know, if they're trying to get attention and they're doing that by, by making you angry, that may be their way of just getting attention. So you have to attack intentions, and that is a way to get forgiveness. If they feel like they're with someone who has learned to forgive them, uh, not forgiving them for heinous things like affairs and things like that, but, you know, I'm talking about the basics uh, of day-to-day life, then they feel safer with their partner and their family. Also, maintaining a structure is uh, like family routines is very important to them. They need structure. And so um, if you're good at structure and and, uh, having a schedule and having routines, they live very well within that. But when you throw in change, they start to get in their head and think about what change is going to do to them. And and so from time to time, you know, uh, chats about, uh, 
neutral matters can be helpful. But also, if you need to have very heavy discussions, you also need to set appointments for those, but you need to do them fairly quickly. You don't want to set them two or three days ahead. You want to say, hey, we need to talk about this. Why don't we talk about it tomorrow morning? Uh, this is an issue that I, we need to get worked out. And then they have time to sort and think through the problem and hold your ground and don't try to do it sooner because they're going to try to they get so impatient and they fear attachment is going to break. So they're going to try to have that that heavy confrontation and try to do it in their own way by, by inciting anger in you and uh, projecting bad things on you. And what you do is you just hold your ground and, and stay calm. And in the next morning, let's say, when the appointment is, that's when you get together and talk. And you don't have to use all that uh, stuff that they threw at you the night before uh, to uh, throw it in their face in the morning because that's just going to create a, a different confrontation. So, you know, in the, in the face of uh, accusations and criticisms, do not get defensive. However unfair, don't say a lot and don't fight. Allow yourself to be hurt. Admit to whatever is true in the criticisms but you don't want to fire back. And that's hard to do because you want to defend yourself naturally. But you have to remember this person has a warped perception. So the response for you and a borderline is, I'm sorry you feel that way. Not, how dare you feel like this? Blah, blah, blah. You did this to me. That's not going to help. Okay. Now, with a borderline, self-destructive acts or threats require attention. But don't ignore them and don't panic. You know, it's good to know. Don't keep secrets about this. Talk about it openly with your family member and make sure professional people know uh, when they're doing this, uh, these self-destructive acts or threats. So it's normal. Stay calm. And this is something that you just want to talk through. If you need to involve a professional, you want to do that. And now, remember, there's a difference between suicidal intent and suicidal ideation. Ideation is just thoughts of suicide, which is often what a borderline communicates. And then uh, the actual how they're going to commit suicide when they start talking about that, that's when you know you need uh, absolute professional help right away. That's when you want to get them 5150. You know, when family sees the signs of trouble, they may be reluctant to address them. So sometimes a person with borderline will insist that their family butt out and they may appeal to their right to privacy. And other times family members dread speaking directly about the problem because the discussion may be difficult. And, and they fear that they would cause a problem if there might be only one uh, putting ideas in their head. In fact, families fear for their, their, uh, their child's safety if these situations uh, – because they know that their kids uh, are well, and they know the warning signs of how they are. And so if they've tried to commit suicide before, they, there is a huge fear. And once again, with this kind of person, you have to stay calm. You also have to be a good listener with a borderline. And that means you validate. I understand. I hear what you're saying. So what you're telling me is this. And reflecting back their thoughts is the best way to communicate with a borderline personality. Also, once again... Uh, you've got to protect your uh, family, and you've got to set the minds of the family to have expectations. But you do not want to tolerate abuse, tantrums, threats, hitting, spitting, walking away. You know, you don't want to tolerate this. You have to set a serious boundary around that. And so here are some famous borderline uh, bipolars. Eminem, Eminem, whatever, the rapper, uh, Carrie Fisher, Axl Rose, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Mike Wallace, Sting, Ernest Hemingway, Peter Gabriel, Ozzy Osbourne, Jane Pauley, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix, Larry Flint, Brian Wilson, Martha Stewart, Ted Turner, Charlie Pride, Marilyn Monroe, 
Vivian Lee, uh, Beethoven, Bing Crosby, Burgess Meredith, Tennessee Williams, Winston Churchill, Virginia Woolf, Vincent Van Gogh, and Mark Twain. Also, uh, uh, people that have the suspect of being uh, borderline personalities wanted to be Amy uh, Winehouse for her self-injury, shame, volatile relationships, uh, Britney Spears, excessive anger, mood swings. Uh, reckless behavior, Courtney Love, substance abuse, excessive anger, Lindsay Lohan, reckless behavior, substance abuse, eating disorder, uh, Princess Diana, eating disorder, mood swings, reckless behavior, Angela Jolie, uh, self-injury, uh, volatile relationships. That's uh, that's what these look like. So when you're trying to understand what it looks like, that's it. All right, that's our show. Our next show is Facing Unemployment. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember, bipolars have a certain power. If you piss them off, they threaten to stop taking their pills, and nobody wants that, do they? And borderlines are known to say, I hate you, don't leave me, or I hate you to the moon and back. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 